0: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelists, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Will. That's... That, that's Blake. All right, my brain. You, <laughs> you might think this is
1: a running gag, but I was actually just telling my wife about people who are great at directions and those who are not. And she was like, well, who would be an example of someone who's not good at directions? And I was like... My friend will, unfortunately. So well, all right. That is very true.
0: But do you think this has to do with that? I guess it does. Yeah,
1: left and right. But sure. it's, <laughs> well, it's because it's it's like
0: mirrored like two different sure. times. So I always get confused. I get um, it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we're we're here today to talk about some critical role. Yeah. And um uh, it's Thursday, so it's critical role day. So we got I don't know. I just, every Thursday I wake up a little bit, you know, the sun shines a little brighter. So that's
1: like me on Tuesdays. What's Tuesday, the- we've talked about this. Tuesday has a nice little just pep in the step on that day. For any particular reason or just. Well, cause you know, back in the day it was wow. Reset day. Oh yeah. 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 And okay. so I think it was also destiny reset day, which maybe it still is. I can't remember. Yeah. but We're talking like 10 years of like Pavlovian, joy yeah that's like built into my weekly schedule so like <laughs> I just can't help but wake up on a Tuesday and be like nice that checks out so yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah Rocco yeah. <laughs> um all right yeah where am I right now what are we talking about what do we, I did the what? intro is there anything else yeah. we need to say
1: the Diablo season <laughs> one started today oh yeah I haven't jumped in yet but no other detail for you guys and uh worlds beyond number the latest episode dropped this past tuesday it's a good one have you listened to any of it yet Mm -mm. have you finished it i haven't finished it but it is pretty good i heard it was good yeah yeah
0: um yeah so i guess
1: let's dive in yeah i guess (laughs) i guess that's all we we got (laughs) it's like what do i do with my hands (laughs) was so quick Uh, (laughs) but oh go ahead i was just gonna transition if that's good with you do it all right well whenever we jump into one of our critical role discussions we always like to do a little bit of a recap just because they're about four hour long episodes Uh, so if you're watching just the recap we do cut this out and put it as a separate video and then down in the episode description we have the uh link to our full thoughts and we want to know your full thoughts as well for this episode. Uh, but having said that, this was episode number 65. Uh, you know a the pa- name? A Path of Vengeance. A Path of Vengeance. And this episode opens up with um, our guest characters having recently departed. And the party kind of takes a moment to have a little bit of a more intimate conversation of like, okay, we kind of know the facts of what happened, but like vibe check how's everybody doing and much that has been memed and joked about about the trauma that team uh AOL went through um there's a bit of um I think it's FCG or someone's like all right let's go and Ashton's like we've been through some stuff like I don't, we can't just like in a very peppy way just get going um Laudna especially is like it was very hard and traumatic for us and uh there's a little bit of a back and forth on like well like are you are you guys good? Like what needs to happen? And finally, what the party settles on is, uh, led by Ashton. Um, we really need a day to kind of decompress, take care of some business, you know, check a couple of boxes and then, uh, we can continue on our way. Um, also additionally, another reason that they need to take another day is because Imogen's staff, um, doesn't have enough charges to it to actually teleport them, uh, anyway. So, the party decides to split up and uh, all take care of business separately. We have uh, Imogen and Ladna, who are going to go check on Zadana. We have um, FCG and Ashton, who are going to go check on Milo. And then the remaining three, Chetney, Fern, and um, Orem, are going to go check in with Ajit Dial. Um, at... Is that the right name? Ajit yeah the di- at the dial hall mm-hmm. okay yeah right all of a sudden i was like wait is it named after him <laughs> for me for a second so uh first things first ashton and fcg head over to milo's place and um ashton's going to give milo basically a note for some kind of a modification to his hammer and basically says hey like how fast can you get this done and milo's like if it's a rush job maybe by tomorrow afternoon." And Ashton's like, okay, great. You know, we're we're here for another day anyway. Uh, and he pays him 100 gold for this custom job on his hammer. Uh, around this time, FCG is making some small talk with him and is like, hey, so like, what's what's your take on everything? And Ashton basically says, you know, through what they've been through uh, in a Silver recently, it's really made them think about things and think about the world and think about their place in it and has kind of like given them a new outlook on life. Uh, to which G shares that he really they really admire Ashton and admire this newfound sense of purpose from them. Um, separately, we have Imogen and Ladna who head to Zudana's house, and Zudana is happy to see them. Uh, still has their spare room for them, and uh, the the two of them basically offer to get her some groceries and really just kind of try to help her around the place. Um, before they depart though, uh, Imogen and Laudna finally have a moment, just the two of them. And, um, Laudna sort of confesses that she feels like a terrible person because of what they've been through, what they went through in, in Isilra, but especially her killing Bordor. Um, she asks Imogen, like, am I a bad person? Uh, and Imogen, um, interestingly enough, not able to read Laudna's thoughts, um, finally asks, can I kiss you? And they have this very sweet moment. Um, the table erupts in <laughs> amazement <laughs> as they kiss one another. And they um, sort of reflect on like where they've come, through, come from and where they're going. Uh, says, admits that she thinks Delilah's back, that she welcomed Delilah back in and that she feels guilty for this because they went through so much to get rid of Delilah. And Imogen says, we can get rid of it. Together we will. And Lauda basically says, well, I don't know if I want to because we might need this power. And Imogen admits that she's also had reservations about getting rid of this whole ruinous plan because the power is very tempting. Um, they move on to get groceries, and it's out in the streets of Dressar that they come across this fountain with a crowd of people gathered around it and this ethereal projection of Ludinus, who is sort of preaching to the crowd and um, advising them to sort of cast off the burdens of the gods and essentially join up with them. Some guards rush in and destroy this little um, device, this crystal beacon of some kind. I think Imogen and Lana take like a fragment of it as well uh, before bringing the groceries back to Zidana's house. And then finally, the last group... Um, the three who went to meet with Ajit Dial, um, they meet up with them outside of the hall, and basically are like, "Hey, give us the lowdown. Like, what's been happening here?" They find out that the leader of An-Karel, um oh man, uh, Sanam Jaman uh, Sotward, Jaman Sanor, San thank you, had been here in Drossar, and that essentially a lot of these leaders are getting together and they are bound to go to hell to the Hellcatch valley and they're trying to do so as one banner um ajit talks about they've even involved the Stratos throne trying to um get them to help as well but there are rumors around jessar uh, about the Stratos throne actually being behind this whole thing um conspiracies um doomsayers talking about there's another coming calamity and ajit basically says that if things aren't done soon, he's fearful of there even being violence and mayhem in the streets. Um, They ask Ajit if he knows anyone who could possibly look at the harness that they picked up from Olesmere, and Ajit comes out with a mentor of his, uh, though I can't remember the name, who effectively looks at the item and eventually says, this is so interesting, I have no idea what it is, Um, and then asks to leave to go finish his soup. (laughs) Um, the party then, um, decides, okay, we've gotten some good information. Um, and as they begin heading back to meet up, um, they want to stop by, uh, one of the temples in Dressar, but on the way they catch the smell of a meat pie, which Matt describes to Chetney as the best smelling meat pie he's ever experienced. He has to make a wisdom saving throw and then presumably fails before launching into a full gallop towards the location of this meat pie. He turns a corner and finds a small either halfling or gnome. Uh, I can't quite remember. Maybe dwarf. Yeah, dwarf. Dwarf uh, who throws this pouch of uh, like an herb almost that he bites into and then throws a... um, a uh, net of silver over him before Fern in pursuit winds the corner and casts blight on him. And that is where we go to break. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I imagine
0: it like catnip for werewolves. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so we pick back up after the break with this encounter basically going on. We have a dwarf bounty hunter essentially who is yelling at Fern to stay back, like, This is my business. Like, just stay out of it. And uh, like Blake said, Fern just immediately cast Blight on this dude and we roll initiative. So as combat goes on, Chetney is basically trying to get out of this silver net, but he's struggling. And the dwarf explains um, that there's a large bounty on Chet's head, basically, uh, and that Chet is a problematic cursed beast. Beast, excuse me. The dwarf, again, having Chetney in a net, is able to kind of dart away into an alley, dragging Chetney behind him. Um, when Fern begs, basically just like, oh, well, just let me give him a goodbye kiss, please. And she rolls a 28 on the um, on the roll. So the dwarf is like, OK, like, say your goodbyes, I guess. Um, so she runs up and kisses Chet, casting stone skin on him in the process. Uh, and the dwarf just then continues to drag Chetney away. Um, meanwhile, Aurum is attacking the net, trying to get Chet out. Um, <clears throat> but the dwarf casts charm person on Orym and is successful. So Orym now regards, you know, this guy as a friend. Um, it's at this point that Chetney, um, or excuse me, uh, Fern sends Mr. Up to Chetney and using Mr. Is able to bamf Chetney out of the net uh Chet immediately casts invisibility <clears throat> and the dwarf scurries into the shadows as he's starting to look a bit rough from um oh. just the damage they've all been doing to him during this process. Um Orum still under the charm person spell, is like trying to mediate, being like, Why are we attacking each other, guys? We're all <laughs> friends. Um <clears throat> and Chet is kind of briefly explaining what just happened there, and we're told that this was in reference to the shopkeeper that Chetney attacked. The last time they are in Drusar Um, forever ago. Yeah. Forever ago. Um, And uh, Orym does a perception check while they're kind of talking in this alleyway and can see that the dwarf is on one of the nearby roofs watching them. Uh, And Orym is like, hey, friend, like we never got your name. And the dwarf just runs away. The trio then decide like, "Okay, like that was crazy, but we don't have time to like dilly dally here. And so they make their way to the uh, Dusk Maven's temple. Uh, so they go inside and there's one figure inside kind of wearing, you know, dark robes <clears throat> and a hood and I think a veil even as well. And Orum just says, Hey, you know, we have a lot of questions about everything going on. And, uh, this priest says, you know, um, yeah, everything's kind of messed up right now. And the fear you are feeling is felt by everyone. And Fern asks, have you been in communication with the Raven queen, with the dust maven? And, um, the uh, the figure says, you know, the gods are in the same boat as we are. You know, they're communi- there's not like a direct communication, but there's communication in ways. And, you know, they're just trying to survive like we are. Um, and our fates are intertwined with theirs. So <clears throat> they kind of have this mini conversation. And then um, this priest basically offers them to drink of the waters that are in this temple. There's like this pool of water and the three of them agree to it. And so they each take some of this water um, and it's very cold, but refreshing. And they kind of just like sit and meditate almost Um, an amount of time passes, but they're not aware how long, you know, it could have been a minute, could have been an hour, but they like are still. And when they like look to or uh, come to from this, uh, the figure is gone and it's just the three of them in this chamber. So they're like, OK, and they decide to make their way out, <clears throat> except when they open the door, it's not Drusar that they are greeted with. It is instead the Hellcatch Valley, the excavation site, the Malleus Key, um, still, you know, plummeting its beam into Ruidas. Um But all they can hear is just this scream and they can see the black orb that's in the Malleus Key. Um, and it's a scream that that doesn't stop and is described as echoing through Exandria. The doors then close, um, but instead of like darkness, it's now a massive vision of this white mask. And then the three of them snap out of the trance that they were in, and they're back in the chamber, and the priest is still there. Um, Fern is like, what was that? And uh, the priest says that they're in a period of mourning for one of their own. The three of them then make their leave, and all the groups reconvene at the Spire by Fire, And each catch each other up on what they just went through, basically. And the party realizes that lewdness has been 20 steps out of them the whole time. Um, They know that the shadowy orb figure was connected to Keyleth, and that seemed to be like part of the whole plan was to get her there to lure him out. And they've just been like patsies and all of this. Um, There's then another, you know, patented God conversation amongst the whole group. Like, are they good? Are they bad? Where does everybody stand on this? and they kind of realize that each of them is kind of bringing their own perspective and has their own ideology on this, but even still, they can all work together because, like, you know, at the very least, they can all agree that, like, lewdness needs to be stopped Um, and basically come to the conclusion that the general uh, idea of, like, are the the gods good or bad is not black and white. Um, The party then decides to just rest for the night, Uh, but before they do, FCG and Fern... Uh, Each scry Uh, with FCG is going to check on Liliana and Fern Ludinus. Um, Ludinus, however, does have the scry prevention, um, so it doesn't work. Uh, Liliana does not, though, so it does work. And FCG gets a vision of Liliana in this massive red storm, and she is walking towards something. And next to her is, in fact, Ludinus, and they are headed toward what appear to be like structures in the distance, But FCG notices in the sky a bluish teal marble and he realizes that it's Exandria, therefore realizing that they are on the moon. Um, Comes out of this, tells everybody else and they're like, oh, gosh. And basically the party goes to sleep for that night. Uh, The next morning, Imogen doesn't get enough charges back on her staff, so they still can't teleport today. Um, So they got another day of kind of dilly dallying. Um, FCG... Uh, identifies the harness and finds out that it like funnels magic directly into the user's spine. Um, Ashton returns to Milo who hasn't slept as they've been working on this hammer the whole time. And um, Milo does finish it. And uh, we'll probably talk about this more during the discussion, but looks really cool and seemingly has an immovable rod installed in it now. Um, <clears throat> Orem then uses Caleb's sending stone to see if that works, but he still can't get through. Um, Imogen decides to cast sending herself to check in on Ira, but it also fails. And uh, FCG then decides, Oh, let me just scry on Ira, uh, but that also fails. So Fern is like, Well, let me try to scry on Ira, and she is actually successful. And she sees him in the middle of a massive red storm, he is also on Ruidus. And he is approaching this like big rock or big structure. It's kind of obscured by the storm. And he like makes his way inside of it. And inside there's another figure that looks like a Raylora, except they're more humanoid, more like corporeal. Yeah. They're not just like the pure energy that we've seen before. Instead, it's like a living, breathing entity. And it's wearing clothing and armor. And uh, it regards Ira with recognition. uh, And they seem to be communicating telepathically. Uh, The party then rests again for the night, so Imogen can get her staff charges back. The next morning comes, she does get those back, and they gather to teleport and successfully make their way to Zephra, and that is where the episode ends. Again, episode 65 of Campaign 3, Path of Vengeance, Path to Vengeance, something like that. Um, But yeah, if you want to hear our full discussion, which we're about to launch into, it'll be linked down in the description below.
1: (laughs) Good stuff, man. Um, A meaty, meaty episode.
0: Yeah, great episode, man. I really loved this episode. There was meaty is a great way to describe it. There's just so,
1: so much, you know? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to discuss for sure. Um kind of another prep episode and yet so many things happened um where to begin i mean yeah i i was just
0: we obviously had the reunion episode last time but all the guests were there it was the 10 person table um so this was something i was kind of hoping we would still get is because you know Mm -hmm. they did reunite and kind of all catch up but right you know there were there were guests in the house so mom and dad couldn't really you know have their full-fledged convo so i love that the start like just right from the start there was like a really great conversation with team aol and specifically laudna kind of helming this being like you guys had like a theme park experience and like we went through hell um so i you know you and i've talked about it the whole community's talked about like the the two Vastly different experiences, so I'm really glad that that got explored. Yeah, um,
1: but yeah, just so much good RP this episode. Yeah, I guess let's maybe let's like hit on like the small stuff first okay. before we get to the meaty stuff. Um, Ashton, I don't know if it's a subclass feature that he's hinting towards, or if it's actually like a something that he just wanted created, but this adjustment to his hammer. His gravity hammer, I guess. Um, you made the comment of perhaps an immovable rod built into it. Um, definitely would fit the flavor of his class. Uh, where did he pick up this note, by the way? Like when he says like, or the design, like where did that come from? Or
0: <clears throat> I, I don't know. I was thinking that it was maybe just in character Ashton. Yeah, okay. Like this is the idea. That I yeah. have. Can you make okay. this a reality? Um okay. if there is like something Ashton actually picked up somewhere, then it it, it escapes me and yeah. I missed it. You no,
1: know, that's what I thought too. But then I was wondering like, was there a moment that he lifted something uh like from the temple in a silver or something? But okay, yeah. So yeah, something something cool. And of course I left all the party ass and he was like, Oh no, you're just gonna have to Yeah, you're gonna have to see. see. But that isn't it. Yeah.
0: I didn't think about it in the way you And the way you saw it is that it might be tied to like the subclass, um, which would be interesting because I was thinking it's just like a a magic item, but I guess, you know, it it would be, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, But that would make sense if it was tied to that, but maybe it is. I mean, I guess it could be either way, but essentially is making Mjolnir. Like, you got the immovable rod, so you could like seemingly hold things down yeah. with it. And he also attached the, the, not residuum residuum. I don't know if we have yeah. an official name for that. Yeah, which think, yeah, AOE spells. Control. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying he's gonna literally yeah. cast lightning, but like,
1: yeah, very cool for sure. He does have like the chaos burst or something. So yeah. it yeah. could be cool if it's like a, you know, AOE effect or something. But. Yeah. Um, and then Ashton, in general, we had that cool conversation with him and FCG, but then a follow-up conversation, um, I think after the break, when they were talking about the gods, and he he talked a little bit about his backstory again and talked about how his parents were like ripped to shred, which I think, shreds, which I think was interesting, because I didn't know if we were going to see F. Taron again, which we may or may not, but as Ashton perceives it, parents ripped to shreds, never heard anything from the gods until, you know, 10 days before when the one of the guys tried to kill him um so yeah a little bit of uh i guess both flavors of ashton kind of like the the trauma side and the the optimistic side um he's been through it for sure yeah i i love this i think this is such an interesting and great
0: like character development and arc because like not not everyone in bell's Hells, but if I can generalize, Bell's Hells is like losing themselves. They all are like, they don't know what to do. They're all conflicted with like their previous worldviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but conversely, Ashton has like solidified, like this has given him purpose, and it's like the first time they've felt meaning. And I just really mm-hmm. love the, like everyone else is is kind of lost, and Ashton's stepping up. Um So I I just, you know, I think uh, I wrote down something specifically. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, I don't want to be worthless. I don't want to lose what I have. I usually don't have things to lose, but now I do. Mm -hmm. So I like that, like, like, you know, I don't know. I've already said it, so I won't keep repeating myself. But I just really love how Ashton's stepping up in the face of everyone else falling apart.
1: Yeah, I love how you put it that way of um it's an interesting balance with Orum really early on in the campaign of him kind of telling everyone like to get it together cuz everyone like had like their issues. But you're right, everyone's kind of lost their footing a bit, Orum especially. Um and it's been really cool. We saw several episodes ago, um probably 15 or more at this point of Ashton you know, essentially taking over the dad the dad role from Oram. Yeah. Checking out on Aurum. Hey, how you doing? Take care of yourself. Checking in on Ladna. Um notably was the one who could sort have of sort of like guided Ladno away after Border was killed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, is is yeah. He's my favorite, man. He's just he's <laughs> <laughs> so cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I just I feel like it's, it's such a great uh, I guess I'm just repeating myself. Just such a great character arc for him. Cause mm-hmm. again he was this closed off kind of cold or not cold but like had the all the walls up you yeah, know a little bit a little bit of bravado or <clears throat> right whatever and now that they actually have something to lose like that's the impetus like it's like okay it's time to get my shit together like like yeah. i'm not going to let this group fall apart like i'm not going to yeah be left alone again um so i uh, yeah, just big fan big fan of this whole development and uh Mm -hmm. i uh this is kind of leading into another discussion which i don't know if we want to go there necessarily yet but i'm kind of worried about like what's going to happen with this group because the whole you know the 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 god conversation again they kind of all realize they all have different perspectives on it and i i don't think that there's going to be like pvp and, and and they end up killing each other like i don't really see it getting to that point but i do see at least i do see at least in the the tea leaves if you will like some conflict now i don't know what that necessarily materializes into um but i I could see like a fracturing point but again i don't know like if i can be like above the table in meta it's not as if someone's gonna leave the table or like get you know so i don't really know how to like what
1: i think that might materialize into but i definitely see some has there been a time in friction history where the party has been so disjointed in terms of like like i think they all agree on like let's save the world side of things but there definitely feels like there's some real opportunity for not just friction but fracturing um we talked about orm kind of falling away from like team god but then in this episode he was the one who sort of like defended the gods and said like hey i know they're not pretty but like they've done a lot of good in the world right um we got kind of the similar comments of like don't care about the gods you know just here to help people um i'm really interested not to mention the conversation with laudna and imogen where i think the start of the campaign delilah would have been viewed as like get this as far away from me as possible and laudna even kind of a bit curious of utilizing delilah and then Imogen following that up with like, yeah, the powers, I don't know, the power's really tempting. I mean, if I'm Orum, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm clock I mean, he's not there, obviously, but you know, clocking that for sure based on the previous conversations of kind of being worried about Imogen. Yeah, I don't think there'll be PvP either, but I also would not be surprised. Because I, I do think I do think like I said earlier, it's not just friction. I think there could be a real fracturing point in some way. Oh, and what I was going to oh, actually go back to what I was, was originally saying, has there been a time in CR where th- this has been the case?
0: There's been inter-party conflict, certainly, but I wouldn't say to like, to such an important, like, to such an important, like, story point question, like, to yeah, like such a, like a, this is like the, the linchpin of the whole story, really, so far, right. at least in C3, Um <clears throat> So like there has and there hasn't. I would I say would there hasn't been anything like this, but that's you know it doesn't really tell you much I guess. But um, this feels but this yeah this does feel novel in, in some ways. Um, but yeah again yeah I don't I don't know what to I definitely feel the friction too, but I really like I don't see it. I don't know I don't know. I think ultimately like there could be friction and there could be conflict, but nothing like serious. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean. I do think that I don't want to like shift us shift gears completely. Um, but yeah, I, the, I loved Orum speaking up again here and explaining that like, you know, some of the gods are bad. Sure. But a lot of them are good. And a lot of the good ones have done a lot of good. Um, yeah. And basically it's just not black and white. Like we shouldn't wipe out all of them because there's a few bad apples, um, <clears throat> which I, I like. Well, I just feel like that is a point that needed to be brought yeah. up
1: more in this discussion. I <laughs> um, forgot your, you're a huge god <laughs> <laughs> So, Orem also in this conversation, I loved his conversation at the Dusk Maven temple. Uh, like, the prayer, he said, like... I, I don't remember the phrase, but it was like, I'm, like, adrift here. Like, I need, I need some help. Like, really. And I kind of just felt bad for him. I just thought, man, he's just really trying to cling on to something. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, and I don't know if necessarily the vision provided that grounding that he was looking for. I, it did make sense him making that prayer, considering that the wild mother, which I would argue was his God previously, or like his tether. Um, he's made a couple of like fervent prayers to like no response. Um, and so I, it makes sense to see him kind of like at another deity, like give me something, please. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I just feel bad for the guy
0: yeah i'm I'm curious to see what this trip to zephra does for him like mm-hmm. is, is it gonna be a good thing um and like a refreshing thing to maybe see some of his loved ones um like uh i like will's family, which i think he considers his family basically you have a sister too i think so yeah yeah okay <laughs> um and to see Keyleth, but i don't i think it will be good to see his family and stuff, unless something terrible has happened that we just haven't, he hasn't gotten window yet, but that aside, I think it'll be good for him to see the family, but it might be, I don't know. Keyleth last we saw are looking rough and they're going to, okay. I, I want to talk about the Keyleth and the Vax stuff, but I don't want specifically on Orem right now. Keyleth might be like, not the, the beacon of hope that he may like be expecting her like, you know, like if he's going, it's yeah. like, okay, now we can talk to her. She's going to like have a plan yeah. and we can get back yeah. on track. Like she might not be that right now,
1: you know? So right. that might
0: like make him even more dejected. Like, uh, what do we yeah. do?
1: Um, I do like that. They're going there versus the original plan of like, let's go back to the excavation site. Like yeah. this makes a lot more sense, um, than just like rushing headlong into that. Um, it also creates a bit of a buffer timeline wise, because I guess they're gonna have to wait another day or two. Yeah, to, to get teleport the, again. Yeah. And so that gives, I guess, the armies sometimes some time to make their way to the um excavation site. Um let's go ahead and talk about Keeleth and Vax. Um a oh. crazy vision.
0: Yeah, that was that was nuts, man. And it felt bad I, for Vax, dude. I <laughs> know man, it's so- constantly screaming across all of Alexandria, like you know bad enough that he got turned into the the orb it's like a continually
1: excruciating process i guess which yeah i mean what a bummer of a fate too and i i i was unsettled by the kind of implied permanence of it like the uh the temple um priest being like yeah we're mourning the loss of one of our own yeah um I don't know. I just I just was unsettling. Like surely they're gonna free Za Vax Zach. Um, <laughs> Vax, right? <laughs> I mean
0: Vex and Zach. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I hope so. I almost looked at it as like not necessarily a call to action like for Bell's Hell specifically to free him, but like the Raven Queen was like showing that like, hey, like I need help. Like mm-hmm. Um, which I thought this was interesting, because one thing we've been wondering, potentially, is, like, is the could the Raven Queen have any... Like, did she know what was going to mm-hmm. happen to Vax? Or, like, you know, her and Ludinus, could they have had any type of history? And they maybe still could, but this vision get, makes me think that, okay, like, no, she did not mm. want that to happen to Vax, or know that was going to happen to Vax, unless this is like a double
1: bluff type of scenario. I think where I've landed, because there's still, like, the weirdness around the Ruby Vanguard worshiping her. I think where I've landed is it's, it's the theme of like admiring someone who stood up to the gods basically. Um, which I think checks out a bit better for me now compared to before it was like, but why, why her? Like what's going on here? Um, so.
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to me, it, it answered that question of is she in on it in any type of way? And I don't yeah. think so. And then two, it made me kind of glad that she is at least, again, not that that was a personal call to action for Bell's Hells, but that tells me that like she's working on it or she at least like wants this to be fixed, Um, you know, since that's what she drew their attention to. And I mean, I guess you could also say that like freeing Vax may also kind of have the added effect of stopping whatever Ludinus is doing like potentially you know like mm. even though the the pathway to Ruitus is open maybe it's too late like maybe the damage is done but also like if they can destroy that Malleus key maybe that is beneficial mm. to all of the gods you know yeah. in addition to, to freeing Vax um, <clears throat> but yeah I mean he's at least still alive if I can use that in quotes considering he's screaming. Um but yeah the fact that they said we're in mourning it made me wonder too like what what is, is this salvageable for him mm-hmm. in any type of yeah. way. Um just rough man vax is <laughs> had a rough go of it. Did you have more you wanted to say about Vax and keeleth Um just that I'm really interested to see what we might see. Um, we know that Mm -hmm. Keyleth was reaching out to people. So could we have other members of Vox Machina and Zephyr right now, but perhaps see some of the ones we haven't seen yet this campaign. Um, and just like what, what they're going to do. It'll be interesting to see if like, and I don't want to get into, I mean, there's some explicit spoilers kind of obvious in general, but I don't want to get into campaign one spoilers. Um, and I'm just interested to see like where her priorities are. Like, is she going to be like, we, we have to help Vax or if mm-hmm. it's like, there's all these fires, like I need to like, you know, and plus she's injured, so maybe she can't even do much, but like, if I don't know, I'm just curious to see like what her, where her priorities are and what like her plan is yeah. as far as what to
1: tackle. Uh, moving on to another smaller story point, um, the bounty hunter after yeah. Chetney. Yeah. I love that there was this follow up. And when we talked about this episode, we both were like, this was pretty brutal. Um, <laughs> for you guys who maybe you haven't followed the campaign too closely, um, and Chetney described it as much, they were in a shopping episode really early on in the campaign, very early on. And Chetney went to the shopkeeper store and was going to buy some wooden chisels. And the shopkeeper said the price, which was implied to be overpriced. But later that night, Chetney went away and broke into this person's store and didn't just intimidate. I I think I remember like him, like brutally attacking the person or something like clawing their leg or something or. He
0: He definitely did damage
1: like yeah, for it sure. Was, it wasn't wow. like, you know, hey, you shouldn't do this anymore. It was like vigilanteism to the nth degree. Yeah. And um then like rushed off into the wilderness or into the night, excuse me. Um so presumably this is the ba- I actually when I the, the bounty hunter first showed up, I thought it was um a reference to, to Gurge saying like, "Hey, if you bite someone, like we'll track you down." So him biting um Frida, I was thinking there's no way they could know. Like how but then I thought maybe they do. Maybe they keep tabs of all on all their werewolves, I guess. Um so this makes a little bit more sense to me now. Yeah. But um but yeah, a nice little little callback, I guess. And uh I feel like Matt's always so good at consequences for your actions kind of yeah. details.
0: Yeah, agreed. So. Yeah, I really liked this callback as well. And yeah, I we I was thinking the same as you um regarding the uh what what do we what was the name? Do you remember?
1: I don't know. Oh, uh of the shopkeeper or the bounty hunter?
0: No, the uh oh sorry, the uh that like order that comes in.
1: Oh yeah. Um the, the claret, uh, yeah, claret yeah. Yeah. Order? yeah. I was
0: yeah. thinking it was them too, but yeah, seemingly just that shopkeeper put a bounty on his head. Um yeah. which cool that they're like catnip for werewolves, I guess. Uh yeah. that was interesting. <laughs> it's in <the> war now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also um good. I also liked uh just fern who's you know typically the the bubbly kind of you know just i guess bubbly is a good way to put it you know not not the most serious very playful and like um just immediately casts blight like when chetney or one of her friends rather is just in danger i just liked the like the hard switch of like when it's time to get down to business it's time um but yeah that that's I think that's all I've got on that little tidbit.
1: Another tiny detail. Um, we had the conversation with Ajit Dial about um, a lot of things, actually. Um, on Corel, notably, um, right. a reference to the Stratos Throne, which for you guys, uh, there's been mention of the Apex War in prior history, which was between, I think, On Corel and the Stratos Throne, or Stratos Throne and maybe the rest of. Marquette, I'm not quite sure. Um, but it then was, also, it
0: was, was Drew I think. And, but that okay. might, yeah, but that might be like a, yeah, just the capital city of each location. But yeah,
1: sorry. Yeah. Um, The comment around enchantments breaking and certain prisoners who were in prison through enchantments that were now free. I thought we were going to get a little peek at um maybe what the live show was going to be about, but mm. we got, we got a nice little callback. To this open thread, the Ivory, Ivory, Ivory we Syndicate. We always do this. He wants to the Immortal Syndicate, the Ivory Syndicate, which was referenced in the first few episodes of this campaign and then never came up again. I kind of just took it as Matt. You know, it was a potential story thread that the players just didn't pursue, and it kind of like you know wisped away, I guess. But I do like that Matt brought it back and brought this little detail back. Um, which is just a great recycling as the DM, I guess. But, um, the leader of the Ivory Syndicate, who is now presumably free. Um, and I'd be interested to see how and if that comes back into the story again.
0: Yeah, I thought that was definitely interesting. And, uh, it it also kind of the fact that the leader was imprisoned could kind of explain the lack of Ivory Syndicate activity in that early part of the campaign. Um, but yeah, I, uh, very curious about that as well. I'm just in general curious about other things that are happening right now, because clearly the prodothos Ludinus situation is priority numero uno, like a lot's at stake with that. So for sure, that's like what needs to be tackled and addressed, but there's definitely a lot of other things going on. Not only like other people that, wanted to take advantage of the Apogee solstice and whatever they're doing, but now people that want to take advantage of this situation of like the world being in chaos and magic, some magic not working. Um, not, not that we're going to get anything about this necessarily, but just like Levtonia, for example, the leader of the Ivory syndicate, who's now out of prison in this tumultuous, like everything's on fire situation. Like what plans might they be cooking up? Like, uh, uh-huh yeah and not not that it's related i don't think it is related but speaking back to all of the like the broomstone that was stolen in the earlier campaign like could there be other things that just start popping off everywhere because of you know opportunists and uh i i mean obviously the story that we're going to be focused on is the whole lewdness thing so i don't expect us to go on like a side quest to you know prevent levtonia from robbing a bank but um just cause this is such like a living breathing world. I'm interested to see like what, what kind of moves and shifts during mm-hmm. this time that, you know, a lot of attention is going to be elsewhere. So people are going to be able to get away with things.
1: Yeah. Uh, any other details on their conversation with him?
0: Um, just the harness, which I guess it wasn't oh, in this conversation. Right. It was more so, I guess, FCG later, but I'll go ahead and yeah, knock this identifying out. It, yeah. Um, I saw it was interesting that we got like the explicit detail that it like goes into the top of the spine or whatever.
1: I could have sworn they casted identify on it previously like earlier. Yeah. I thought they did yeah, too, I but maybe it was like, they did. but
0: yeah, maybe it was a situation where like they had already identified something else and then you never know. remembered to come back. But yeah, they at least earlier gleaned the whole, like it sucks magic energy out of people. Um, but anyway, I was I was just curious if like that could potentially be like a weak spot on Lutinous if that encounter ever happens. I mean, clearly he's not wearing the harness, but if he has like a a new iteration, you know, like uh-huh. if he, uh, that was like a prototype, um, it would just be I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was nothing. Maybe it's just a cool detail. But I thought that was an interesting, explicit detail to to paint for Matt to be like, yeah, between the shoulders, top of the spine, infuses you with magic. So, I
1: don't know. Interestingly enough, um, what's her face has something similar. So, wait, who? The um I can't think of her name. The leader of the um, Paragon's call. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Odahon? Odahon, yeah. yeah. Odahon has a, the uh, something similar in the sense jet, of yeah. source of power on her back um, right. that was more dunamantic presumably. But um, maybe there's a connection. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like there definitely could be. Um,
1: um, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Uh. But yeah, nothing else with uh Ajit.
1: Okay. I think that's my last small detail. I don't know if you have another one before we move on let to me some of the sh- juicier stuff. Let
0: me scroll through real quick. Um the Corsairs being conscripted by the Mahan houses was interesting. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember.
1: I forgot about them.
0: Yeah. I couldn't remember exactly what, what left off with them. Like I couldn't remember if they were on good terms, bad terms,
1: no terms. No idea. Um, I don't think they had any terms. I think they had the meeting and then Dorian's brother was one of them. Right. That's right. Yeah. And then they went off to the, the ball and then that was it. Okay. Never went back to him.
0: Which is interesting
1: though. Cause weren't like the Corsairs, Weren't they like the same group? I don't know. I think that's them, right?
0: No, uh, Yeah, yeah, that, that was it was Dorian's brother was one. So, yeah, it's that group for sure. They were kind of like I'm not saying they were all virtuous. They definitely weren't all virtuous, but weren't they, they were, kind of like Robin Hood esque? Yeah. Like, wasn't that yeah. like their at least their idea of themselves?
1: Yeah, they're um, definitely gray for sure.
0: So it's interesting that they're working for the Bahan houses. I mean, I guess. Paychecks a paycheck, but like you would think that those were like a lot of the people they had a problem with initially, you know, like the yeah, rich upper yeah. crust of society. Yeah. Um. But Hey, I, I mean, mean maybe,
1: maybe the Mahan houses aren't all equal. I mean, the, the, um, Ludinus twins house versus like the Treshy house, you know, are probably very different. Um, yeah. So, yeah,
0: for sure. I'm you know, not to say that all the Mahans are, are bad or anything, but they're definitely like the wealthy influential yeah, people. For sure. Um, for
1: sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But again, the world's ending. These people are offering good money. Maybe you just got to do what you got to do. But that was an interesting <laughs> detail to like include. Yeah. Um, another small thing was the. The orb or whatever it was that Ludinus was like projecting out of to give yeah. his little speech very uh reminded me a lot of Avalier. Mm. Like uh not to say that like it literally was Avalier but like Age of Arcanum. And again not mm-hmm. to say that like that orb itself was like an ancient artifact or anything but it just made me think of cuz I feel like Brennan described that in Avalier of like all the different like holographic yeah screens I think it and
1: was, yeah how um Sam's character how they reported like the news or what have you. It was something yeah. like that I think. So speaking of lewdness, did we, I feel like we knew he had the shriveled hand, right? Like, wasn't there something?
0: Yeah, he, it's when he activated uh, the Malleus key, it like took his hand in response or whatever.
1: I don't know why I love that flavor detail (laughs) (laughs) of this, like, just choked out hand. (laughs) (laughs) There is a cost. So, yeah. Anyway, Um, maybe that's like a good starting point for like the meaty stuff. Um, Yeah. Liliana and Lutonus, they are on the moon. It's on the moon, man. Along with Ira, presumably as well. Not necessarily together, but um, yeah. What? <laughs> I guess I mean, this this tether between Ruitus and Exandria is like some kind of like teleportation thing of some kind. Since we know it seems like Ray Laura were coming down from the city. Yeah. Seems like some sort of
0: elevator for sure, which, which maybe, I mean, obviously the, the Malleus Key has, has done a, a number of things, but, you know, in terms of talking about like, is it too late? Like is, is, is it already in motion now and it can't, and what, it, like prodothos can't be stopped or can it still be stopped? Yada, yada, yada. Maybe the Malleus Key thing was just to like lock it in place and like offer a way to get there. And now there is yeah. still, like, a excavation or, like, an unsealing or something that needs to right. be done on Ruidus to, like, finish this ritual. And so that's my best guess as of right now. And so I'm assuming that Liliana and Ludinus are, like, heading into that city to further that goal somehow. Mm-hmm.
1: What What did you make of Ira? Meeting with one well, of the Riddler. all I gotta say is I knew it. All right, I what mean, do you mean you knew it?
0: <laughs> I I don't remember the episode, but I just I remember specifically saying that there's another piece on this chessboard that we're not paying attention to, <laughs> and that it was Ira, and he just had something up his sleeve, and
1: this just I mean, listen, I feel like this wasn't the smoking gun you're looking for. <laughs> I mean, he's an agent of chaos. I mean, he's an opportunity to. You know, bamf up to the moon. He's, you know, probably gonna take that.
0: Yeah, but he has familiarity with this humanoid Ray Laura. Like, it's definitely more than just. Let me check this out. Like, yeah, I think. I mean, we knew that he was the original designer of the Malleus Key. Like, he definitely knew more than he ever let on, and had his own plans for this. Yeah, and I feel
1: like that's confirmed by this scene. But did you did you take it to mean the Ray, the Ray Laura he's meeting with was like? Cause I kind of envision all the lore being pretty pissed off. They've been like locked on Ruidus and just being like, you know, Lewdness, we're here for you. Lead us to victory. But I almost got kind of like an impression of like, not like a separate sect, but at least some kind of tiny, I'm still not sure of like the allegiances here. And if this person is someone that Ira's been, cause we know when he, they first looked at the telescope with um, Fern's parents that they saw the city. He was like, that's interesting. Maybe presumably made contact in some way since then. And maybe he and this one Ray Laura have some plans that are separate from what Ludinus wants to accomplish. I, I don't really know. I don't know what to make of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know either. So there's a couple things that you said there that I want to address. Um, as far as like the different sex, I feel like there could be, um, I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I feel like I remember, I don't, I don't remember where it came up or who was in the conversation besides Imogen, but there was some description about how like each Ray Laura is different. Like some of them are nice, you know, and some of them might be angry. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember that? It was
1: the, um, notes, uh from the professor on the experiments with uh Liliana, I think mm. as she was like tapping into the Ray Laura.
0: So again not that that means that just means they have different personalities but that could therefore mean then that there's they're not all just team ludinus necessarily maybe they are different allegiances or whatever. Um but yeah I like the uh I like the idea that after the telescope thing that could have been mm-hmm. when the nightmare king you know, started delving deeper, but I'm still on team. He knew long before that, even because I think, yeah. I think he's ancient just like Ludinus is. And, um, I don't know if these necessarily tie together, but I'm also almost all the way in on that being the, the Tishtan city and maybe the Ray Laura being the Tishtans, Oh, and maybe they, you know, just Predathos wow. has has twisted them into what they are now. And if that is the case, then the Nightmare King could have a relationship with them dating back to. Early days, you know? Yeah. Um, so, that's,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Awesome. Um, uh. So, yeah, Yeah, that'd be really interesting for sure. I'm just reading about them on the wiki, but.
0: So, yeah, I don't I still don't know what Ira's plans would be necessarily. I definitely think he's like a maverick. You know, he's he's got his own. Ideas and and goals here, Um, but I'm just curious as to what those would be like, maybe I don't know. Yeah. but yeah, yeah okay. very
1: interesting to mm-hmm. to see that play out i
0: got i got excited
1: um uh another exciting moment man imogen and laudna they're just best friends you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah i'm surprised we uh we got took this long to get to this <laughs> yeah they're, um, just the, they're just the sweetest they're of the, roommates the best of friends
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> But yeah, there was some uh, YouTube video I saw that was it was from forever ago. It was like episode 20, but it was like Imogen and Ladna are just friends. And like it was like all like the and they had like pulled like little details that like made it seem like they had something happening with someone else. Mm-hmm. And then the top comment was like last week. Um, it was like this age so incredibly poorly for you. Wait, so it was, <laughs> it was like not a
0: joke. The video. I think it might have like been. Like, it was, like, tongue-in-cheek, like
1: or was it, like... It, it might have been, but, like, the person commenting... Like, people had come back to this video, though, oh, okay. to be like, okay, all right. So, I anyway. Say, man, um, what, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, the question has finally been answered.
1: I mean, you it's know... It's still up for debate, though, <laughs> you know? There were people, like, in, you know, olden days who greeted each other with a kiss, yeah, you know? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Question sure. of love so <laughs> but yeah, yeah i mean the question, the question has been answered um i i don't dislike it i don't dislike it i i will say i really liked where we had landed previously i mean this this just makes more sense like it's just cleaner in general but i also liked where we had landed previously of this like soul binding connection that wasn't necessarily romantic um which you know, like I said, the way it plays out just makes sense, um but I guess now they have both, right? <laughs> they have the soul binding connection and the the romance side of it, um, but definitely a moment I think many people were you could see it at the table, right, like people were like, "Is this really happening right now? <laughs> yeah, so I did see a joke about <laughs> either Laden or Imogen, like the number of players at the table that they've fallen in love with or something, <laughs> yeah, oh. So, Somebody
0: made like an infographic that categorized all the, uh, the romances. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that I, I've long been a, a proponent of the, not, not, not giving myself a pat on the back here. I think, you know, almost everyone thought this, but that they were eventually, you know, they had feelings, let's put it that way. But yeah, yeah, then recently there were some, there was some doubt cast on that of maybe they are just, uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe it's not romantic. But to your point, I think, you know, you said now they have both. And I think, yes, that's true. And I think both could kind of be true. Like, I think right. what they had is what you described. And at the time, it wasn't romantic because. Yeah, maybe it evolved
1: <laughs> is maybe a fair word where it it continued to grow, I guess. Continue. I don't mean to interrupt you.
0: Yeah, but I just also that, like, I think that, like, they had those feelings, obviously, but just never acted on them for a mil a million reasons and we know that laudna in particular is like a corpse essentially i mean she's not but you know what i mean (laughs) um so like i'm sure laudna like wouldn't even allow herself to like consider yeah like having having that um so i think there were like a lot of um aspects at play here and then just like two Broken people, like not wanting themselves or thinking they're worthy, or like, you know, thinking that that can happen. I think that was like a lot of the, the dam blocking the river, essentially. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about,
1: but I think, I think they can have both, and both can be true. Um, some people, um, talking about, uh, Imogen's line. I don't know if it's okay anymore. Like implying yeah. that maybe they had. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they had like maybe fooled around, Probably not the right phrasing, but like there was some kind of, there was something prior to this moment, um, which I don't, I don't know if I go that route, that kind of my intention. I don't know, honestly, what to make of that line. Um, we know that she couldn't read her mind, which I think was a bit of the source of that line. But I, I did see this theory that people were chatting about that. Um, it's the first open moment we've seen. Um, I don't know. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that line too. And I actually like that element of this too, that the the, the true moment of like facing the feelings happened when she couldn't read her mind. It just feels better that way. Yeah. You know, like yes. it's you know, I don't I don't really know what my like how to materialize what I'm trying to say into words, but I really liked that. More vulnerable, more real, more like yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that I was wondering about this line too. I don't think that the implication is that they've fooled around to whatever that you want to call that. Even if it's just like a kiss, um, I don't think that it that doesn't check out to me, especially with everything else we were just talking about of like how it led up to this. It doesn't make sense to me that they would have ever done anything like that before and still felt all the ways they felt up until this point. And maybe it was just like, not something like, like maybe, you know, Imogen heat of the moment, like, wasn't like the words maybe weren't
1: perfect. You know, like maybe she was
0: referencing, like, I just can't read your mind anymore, you know? Um, Yeah. But one thing I thought was interesting was like, if, you know, Imogen did like want to make a move or kiss her in the past. And so like, she would probe in to be like, you know, what if is, is Laudna thinking about kissing me right now? Um, uh, if there was like something like yeah. that, um, which if, if that is the case, and this is like a, a, you know, I'm going pretty into ambiguous territory here, but it's interesting to think about, I don't know if it's all right anymore, that potentially she would have done that in the past and would have realized that Laudna would have been acceptive, but then she still never tried mm. until this moment.
1: Um, yeah,
0: but yeah, mm. <clears throat> I, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was great. The table reacting to it was great. It really reminded me of a uh, campaign one in particular, just cause that was the first. And so the first romance in campaign one, they're all like, most of them like couldn't watch. Cause they were like, just thought were like so embarrassed and thought it was so funny. Um, they kind of had a similar reaction here where like, you know, Marisha like got up out of her chair. Uh, I don't know if you saw on the, uh, the Critical Role TikTok, they posted like a, a little snippet, I guess, of I guess it was maybe after the, the session or I don't know, um, but they were all still freaking out. Like Marisha was like crying and uh, Laura said, like, I'm sorry, I didn't like tell you before. Like, I'm sorry, oh. I didn't like run this by you. So this was like, yeah. a pl- obviously, they've had yeah. conversations clearly, but like at least so far as like, hey, I might kiss you tonight. Like that was not talked about. So like it truly did catch Marisha off guard. And uh, I just thought it was fun that it was such like a,
1: an organic moment. In yeah. That way. Cause Marisha's reaction was so. okay. <laughs> yeah. It was great. <laughs> but you know what else though? Um, Laura was on a tear of just improv too. Cause there was also the conversation around, um, their sources of power, I guess. And, um, Laudna said something like, you know, maybe it's our destiny to always fight the fight to have, to have these things that we're dealing with. And, um, Imogen said something like, you know, maybe it's our destiny to fight them or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but it was such like a well, like bounced back line, like playing off of Laudna's line that you saw like Laura almost was like smiling as she said it. Cause I think she probably knew how good of a line it was, but you saw everyone else at the table, just like, Ooh, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those improv moments. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's interesting from like a D and D perspective. Like it feels like there is like this give and take of like what you play off with other party members and, um, things like that. But I think we've talked about this before, it's probably I'm worth parking on, but, um, the table has such high trust that, you know, it kind of makes sense that these moments happen and it's what makes it all the more sweeter, I guess, when they finally do.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, Laura freaking Bailey, man. That's all you got to say, really.
1: Yeah, she's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Same, so yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. What else? Um. Let me let me do a quick scroll
0: through, but I think we hit the biggest things.
1: Um. I feel like there was something else. Let me see here. Could have sworn there was. I
0: I mean we we kinda we basically already have talked about it various at various other points, but I just I feel like there's I don't know, I feel like there's other shoes to drop of things that are gonna happen that aren't related to this. Like I don't know, like is the Stratos throne gonna pull a move? wow, they think that, right. you know, Jusar's weak or something. Um, it was cool oh, to get the yeah. Jamanza Ord reference. Um, that's somebody that, that popped up in campaign one. Um, oh, really? Wow. Um, so, cool. uh, yeah, just... uh. Now, they did think- say... Do <clears throat> you remember... Uh, Was the Stratos throne one of the parties that was was mentioned that was like there having all come together? No, I don't think so. They weren't there? I don't think so. Okay. That makes me even more suspicious.
1: Yeah, we know... Let me actually pull up the wiki before I say anything. Um, Because we know the Apex War ended in a um, stalemate. Yeah, basically, I think like... And I don't remember which side. Oh, wait. This doesn't even Im- involve... Oh, this doesn't even involve um, Drusar, though, or on Corell. It was between the Stratus Throne of the Talon Highlands and the Court of the Lambent Path of the Is- Ishanador, which both of those things are on the southern side of Marquette. Um, oh, so Drusar wasn't Mar- involved? Yeah, right. Um, but we know that... Um, Ara fought for one side. Um yeah, it says here neither Enkrell or Jassar were involved in the war. Okay.
0: But yeah, Odahan mm-hmm. fought for the Stratus throne. That's where she got some of her no- notoriety, which also makes me suspicious of them. Like <clears throat> which again, it feels like if there is some sort of plot here and the Stratos throne has partnered with Odahan, AKA the Paragon's call. And then AKA Ludinus to some extent, it feels like they're cutting off their own nose to, to spite the face, you know? Cause mm-hmm. like, okay. Yeah. If you do get some, like, if you do get some gain out of this, what's, what's the purpose if like the whole world's going to end. But yeah. I guess now that I'm saying that at least in Ludinus's mind, the whole world's not going to end. They're just going to kill the gods. Yeah. So I guess, And I know I'm making a lot of presumptions here, but hypothetically, if the Stratos Throne was in cahoots with all those peeps, then I guess it would make sense because they think about to be a new world, about to be a new world order. Let's strike and cement our place and grow our land Mm -hmm. while the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. Now, I say all that and maybe the Stratos Throne was part of the alliance group meetup that happened
1: and I'm crazy.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess even if they were, that could just be a con.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. I think think regardless what happens, whether Matt follows on any of the, or the party, I guess, follows on any of these threads or not, I like it purely from the fact that it lets us know that it's a living, breathing world, and other things are happening. Even if they never come up again, there's other things happening, which I think is just a nice little it's a tiny detail for me as a DM. It's hard not to like want the players to follow those threads, but I think there's, it shows Matt's experience of like, yeah, these are things that are happening and they just, they just are. So,
0: yeah. And I mean, again, with the current dilemma, they basically can't ignore. Right. The main (laughs) objective. Yeah. (laughs) But in other campaigns, (laughs) Matt definitely did that. And then it was up to the players to like, yeah, let's go down this path. Um, So yeah, he's definitely, you know, obviously good at the whole DMing thing. Um, okay. But yeah, I looked uh, through my notes. I think we hit the big things that I wanted to.
1: Yeah. I like how we said, like, let's hit the small things first. And then that was like almost everything. <laughs> so anyway. Um Yeah. Let us know what you thought of the episode guys. Um, uh Theories for what comes next. And we might get a pretty big episode tonight with them and Zephra. Um yeah, yeah.
0: And it's the last one before the break.
1: Yep. Yep. So okay. Uh a little thumbnail action? A little thumbnazy. Uh hmm. I don't have a net flying around or a
0: maybe sex harness maybe, uh maybe something like with the kiss.
1: how is that <laughs> gonna work with you and me? <laughs> Hint, hint. Uh,
0: um, no, I don't know. I was thinking like the thumbnail I would probably put. I would probably put. Uh,
1: I have I have a thumbnail, but it doesn't really oh. mesh with that. <laughs> so, oh, I, I didn't know you already did one. That's fine. Well, it's from the vision they got. So all I say is if we do like a thumbnail, that's kind of like FCG and Frida where we're just like. <laughs> <it> <laughs> yeah. might look kind of okay. sadistic, I guess. Okay. So <laughs> that's. So we need to be like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess it could work either way, you know, (laughs) I did not I didn't want to look too beaming for a potentially sad thumbnail. No, that works. That works. Okay. All All right, right. cool. All right. Beautiful. I suppose that does it then friends.
0: Yeah, y'all. And uh, if you've made it this far in the video, you already know this. But since I forgot to mention it earlier, check out the Discord. Like I said, it is Thursday, so it's Critical Role Night. We will be having our uh, watch party. So come hang
1: out. Boom. See you soon. That's it. (laughs) Bye, (laughs) y'all. Get out of here. Get out of here, guys. (laughs) See you later.